You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good afternoon, Bucknoters. Welcome to what we learned live following Ohio State's 54-10 to demolition of Iowa. Started slow, the Buckeyes did, but then they just absolutely crushed Iowa. 54-10. to I mean, it was looking uh, shaky early, to say the least. That Tommy Eichenberg uh, pick six uh, to end the first half. That was curtains. And then you're wondering, well... Are the Buckeyes just going to kind of coast and it, it look bad in the second half and then they get all the style points you could ever hope for in the second half? Like if the first half would have started like that and then they kind of coasted in the second half, no one would have thought anything of it. But they didn't look good in the first half. And um, we're going to talk about what we learned. Um, welcome, everybody, to the show. First and foremost, I'll take questions later. Um, I'm going to get into what we learned. From my perspective, i got a lot of notes written down. Um, just to give you guys a heads up, we're going to hear from Bill Curlick on the day that uh, the big day that it was for recruiting. Not as huge, you know, as it will be for the Michigan game, of course, but uh, still a big day for recruiting today. Uh, Carnell Tate, uh, Carnell Tate, the Ohio State uh, wide receiver, commit the five-star wide receiver, who is a verbal commitment, uh, took his official visit uh, today, this weekend overall. So that'll be great. Let me retweet the show here real quick. Then I'm going to get into some of the things that we learned. From this game today, okay, we have to start with Zach Harrison. We have to start with Zach Harrison. Much maligned Zach Harrison. Fans wondering, like, when is he ever going to step up? Well, man, he looks like a stud, doesn't he? He's even, you know, we'll get into everything. He, I loved even late he was, like, telling the fans to get up. You know, South stands, like, get up, get up, come on. Um, love, love, love seeing that out of Zach Harrison. You know what I love even more than him getting the fans up? How about um, everything that he did defensively? He was just wrecking shop out there. Uh, 
fumble, sack fumble, um, you know, tackle for loss on third down, caused an interception, you know, by getting pressure on a third down, batted a pass down on a third down. And it, it's like every time he was making a big play, it's like, wow, that was a big play. Like, and it was on third down or and it caused a, um, a turnover or both. So Zach Harrison, that's who gets the game ball. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of game balls that could go around today. Um, so that's the first thing. Zach Harrison, kudos to him. Um, what a hell of a game for Zach Harrison. Happy for that young man. As I've, I, I've said all offseason and even into the early season, like it reminds me a little bit of Steve Miller in 2014, but I expected more out of Zach this year than even Steve did in 2014 because remember the pick six against Alabama, but Steve had a solid year even before that. I thought it would be like kind of similar with Zach Harrison where everybody's like, come on, what's wrong with this former five-star? And um, and Zach was ranked higher than Steve. They were both ranked very high, but Zach was the number one DN in the country coming out of high school. Steve was ranked very high, but not quite that high. Um, but I thought, I'm, I just had a good feeling Zach Harrison's going to be like a better version of what Steve Miller was as a senior in 2014. And frankly, my friends, Zach Harrison's playing even better than I expected. Kudos to Zach Harrison. He's first and foremost. Okay, so there's going to be good and bad here on the show. Because I'm going in chronological order here, basically. Although Zach Harrison was just all over. That's he's not really chronological order. He's just just absolutely dominant fashion. Okay, four times in the first half. This is what everybody's going to be upset about, and rightfully so. Four times in the first half, Ohio State had to settle for field goals when they got short fields. Like with two of the times, at least it was one like three and out and a field goal. I think then they got like a first down one, once, maybe. The other time they got a first down, maybe two first downs. So, like, four times in the first half, three turnovers in that uh, terrible decision by Iowa's punter. It wasn't a called fake punt. He thought he had room, and Caden Curry was like, no, you don't. Um, Denzel Burke was there, too. I thought Denzel Burke played pretty well today. We'll get into that. But um, so three turnovers in Ohio State territory and then a, you know, fake punt. I mean, it technically was a fake punt because the punter like, you know, acted like he was going to punt and didn't and got stuffed by Caden Curry. So four times you got to settle for field goals on short fields. You can't do that. Um, can't do that. That's not good. All right. The other thing, one of the other things we learned, we learned a lot of stuff. We learned a lot of stuff. Um, Iowa's defense is legitimately great. Like they're right. Like we got to give them props. Like their offense is atrocious. Iowa's defense came in here ranked number seventh in the country in total defense. Ohio State came in ranked fifth. That'll go up for Ohio State because Ohio State <laughs> held them to like 120 yards or something. Crazy. Iowa, Iowa will actually take a hit because they were like uh, averaging, you know, only allowing opponents like 250 yards a game or something like that. And the Buckeyes put up over 300. Um, but you have, you have to give Iowa's defense credit. I mean, this is a really, really good defense. We learned that they're a legit defense, and they gave Ohio State problems. And this, to me, was like a, a mini primer for November 26th. Michigan is much better than Iowa, but Iowa gave Michigan more problems than they did Ohio State. The game was in Iowa City. I, I get that. And, uh, and Iowa gave Ohio State problems early. But what did Ohio State do? They just wore them out um, and then just blew them out. 54-10 does all this talking in the world. And Ohio State can throw the ball downfield, and Michigan cannot. Now, maybe J.J. McCarthy will be able to prove he can throw the ball downfield, but right now he hasn't shown he can do that. Everything for Michigan's offense is their strong running game, legit, great offensive line, legit, um, dink and dunk passing game, um, but no downfield passing game, or very little. So I'm confident about November 26th. 
Uh, but you got to give Iowa's defense credit. That's a great defense. They've got to be – man, if you're on Iowa's defense, you got to be like, are you kidding me? Like, we have the 131st-ranked offense in the country. There's 131 teams in the country, and Iowa's offense is ranked 131st. And, like, after today's performance, getting held to, like, even, like, over 100 yards less than what they average, there's no way to go. Like, uh, they can't go down. They're already the worst offense in the country. If you're on Iowa's defense, you got to be like, what the hell? All right, we got to get into this. Looks to me like Jackson Smith and Jigba is done. You know, I guess you had to bring him back at some point. He's medically cleared. I get it, but we've been talking about it. Anybody who's been watching the Bucknuts Morning 5, listening to the Bucknuts Morning 5, we've been talking about it ad nauseum. Like, why rush him back for any of these games that you can win without him? Um, and maybe it was inevitable. They could have held him out till Michigan and he could have, you know, re-injured it. I get it, but like. I'll be surprised if um, what was it eighth? Or I wrote down the exact because I, I I wrote down an expletive that I won't share with you guys, but I wrote down eight thirty six of the second quarter might be the last time we ever see Jackson Smith and Jigba have a, a a play for Ohio State, have a snap for Ohio State. So it's a shame, it's a shame. So you know I hope I'm wrong, but I won't be surprised if Jackson Smith and Jigba is done now. I won't be surprised if he is. I hope I'm wrong. Um, so that's. That's bad news. The unbelievably good news is, despite losing two first-round picks at wide receiver, losing who everybody expected would be the number one wide receiver off the board this coming year, and maybe he still will be. I hope he is. Um, this shouldn't really affect his long-term capabilities. If you're an NFL team, it'd be silly to think like that. Um, so basically, you lose th- three first-round picks. Let's assume JSN's out. And, man, you're not you're not really skipping a beat. I mean, Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, are both Bolitnikoff contenders julian fleming's the number three wide receiver he'd be the number four if if jsn was healthy as long as those guys can stay healthy i think ohio state's going to be fine there even without jsn as much of a blow as that is the problem would be then if like one of those guys gets healthy or god forbid two of them get get or get uh, injured so um not good news about jsn but good news right now speaking of bill curlick and recruiting let's get bill curlick in here um later we will hear from patrick murphy and steve hellwagon live from the horseshoe after interviews, but let's get the dean of Ohio State football recruiting in here, Bill Curlick, to give the latest on recruiting. Uh, Bill, before we get to recruiting, your thoughts on the game itself? Um, I know you're a big, uh, you know, Buckeye football observer. Not you're not just the the dean of Ohio State football recruiting. Slow start for the Buckeyes. Um, offense was struggling against a great Iowa defense, but then the Buckeyes turned it on. Just your thoughts overall on this game today, Bill? First of all, I'm glad you said it. You didn't say an old Ohio State football observer, uh, but uh, that that I am too, an old observer. But yeah, I thought um, uh, it was an interesting game to say the least. I mean, at one point, Ohio State was approaching 50 points, and they had less than 200 yards of offense. I believe, kind of <laughs> kind of crazy, but um, a slow start. Yeah, but. It certainly wasn't a slow start for the defense. And I, I continue to marvel over what Jim Knowles has done with that Ohio State defense in less than a year. I mean, that was <laughs> I guess it shows you what a difference a great defensive coordinator can make. And the whole coaching staff really should get credit as well. Uh, Ryan Day, you know, he, he hit the jackpot. He hit a home run with with Jim Knowles, no doubt. No doubt about it. I absolutely love everything about him. Um, all right, let's get into recruiting. All right, Carnell Tate uh, on his official visit. What are you hearing? He's obviously committed to Ohio State, the five-star wide receiver. Um, are you confident he's going to sign with the Buckeyes in December? 
Yeah, I, I am. Uh, you know, he's a he's a South Florida kid, although he's actually a Midwest kid. He's from uh, the Midwest, but he is at Bradenton IMG. I guess that's not exactly South Florida, but it's close enough. Um, but I, I think, you know, there's been so much talk about him, Tennessee, and so on and so forth. And uh, when you when you get great players like Ohio State gets and commit gets to commit and, and, and recruits, those players are going to get recruited by other schools. And Ohio State recruits players from other schools that are committed. So it's it's not surprising that Tennessee and other schools continue to recruit uh, Ohio State commitments. Uh, but I just feel like in the end, Carnell Tate will sign with Ohio State, and I've felt that way all along. Um, will Ohio State have to continue to recruit him all the way through the process? They certainly will, but they'll do that. And, and he's not the only uh, Floridian making an official visit to Ohio State this weekend. Said Cedric Hawkins, safety from Florida, making his official visit as well. And, and there's been a little talk that other schools are recruiting him. But again, I, I like the chances that both of them end up signing with Ohio state. And, you know, if you're sitting in that stadium today and you're Carnell Tate and you're seeing the uh, game Marvin Harrison had, for instance, and a book for that matter, uh, how could you not want to be part of that? I mean, it's tremendous. And Cedric Hawkins, you're a safety and you see Ohio state playing three safeties out there again. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of that in the great defense Ohio state has now? Yeah, Bill, I mean, what Ohio State's doing right now at the wide receiver position, and then furthermore, I mean, how, how could it not, like, help recruiting that they just put two first-round wide receivers in the draft last year and all the other guys in the NFL right now at the wide receiver position from Ohio State, Terry McLaurin, Michael Thomas, even Noah Brown's having a big year, you know. People are like, how's Noah Brown going to go pro after a third-year sophomore season? Like, it's like, he's like, how you like me now? Go on and on. I'm sure I'm leaving guys out. but uh, Olave and uh, Garrett Wilson. You know. Well, I mean, I, I said that we they had two first round. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's you know, it, it, and not only are they were they first round, they're doing it on the field this year. Yes, sir, they are. <laughs> yes, no sir, question. they are. No doubt about it. All right, let's get into some of the other guys. And most of the other guys, uh, the, the big names are twenty twenty four guys. Do I have that right? That we're here today. Yeah, generally speaking, yeah. Um, you know, they've got uh, uh, Quentin Martin. Yep. Go ahead. Garrett Stover. Yep. Garrett Stover. Um, Cade's cousin. Uh, yeah. making the visit. And, um, you know, I, I have crystal ball to Garrett Stover quite some time back to Ohio State. I feel very good about that pick. I think uh, uh, that I think he's going to be a Buckeye eventually. And I know I know Garrett Stover is impressed with that Ohio State defense. I went to his game a couple weekends ago and uh, talked to him, did an interview with him afterwards. I had on Bucknuts a video interview and he, he's definitely impressed with Ohio State's defense. So, Again, he saw a defense today that created six turnovers, I believe. I think that's right, isn't it? Uh, six turnovers, and uh, uh, I believe they had, I think, six sacks maybe, five or six sacks. So that looks like a fun defense to play in, and I think Garrett Stover feels that way. I like how I say chances there. Quentin Martin, he's a running back athlete out of Pennsylvania, 2024 kid. As you mentioned, these are mostly 2024 guys. Uh, visiting Ohio State today. Uh, uh, an outstanding safety from New Jersey, Vebu Torre, um, is at Ohio State today. Uh, Micah Hudson, wide receiver that is one of the top. He's a five-star wide receiver from, from Texas. So he's another 2024 kid uh, making his visit. Um, Reiner Swanson is an interesting guy. Um, 
uh, out of Laguna Beach, California. Kevin Wilson is recruiting him. He's a tight end, uh, 2024 tight end that uh, visiting today. So, you know, those are some of the, those are most of the big name 2024 guys visiting Ohio State today. And I, I think I saw something about uh, Caden Garrett Stover brothers question. Maybe I don't, uh, maybe you can help me with that day, but they, they are not brothers. They are cousins. They're cousins. Yeah. I mean, because uh, not that, I mean, not that they would have to go to the same high school, but you know, Cade went to uh, Lexington, right? And uh, right. and uh, his cousin is at Big Walnut. So yeah, I believe they're I believe they are cousins. All right, you touched on this a little bit. For those who missed it, like, how is uh, how's Tate liking his visit from everything you're hearing so far? Well, you know, to be honest, I try not to bother kids while they're on their official visits. I've you know, 35 years of doing this, I've never really felt like you should bother a kid on his official visit and. It's worked out pretty well for me so far, so I guess I'm going to continue to do that, not bother them during their official visits. That's their time. They get that – they're going to make one official visit to Ohio State ever in their life. So I usually give them a little space um, to do that. And and his visit, um, you know, he has – basically he's not really even halfway through that visit yet. But uh, just seeing uh, some things from – you know, how, how he interacting on the you know, side and everything. I, I, I'm confident everything is going just fine. And I'm very confident Brian Hartline is going to do a great job uh, of, I don't know if I'd say selling because he's already committed to Ohio State, but driving home Ohio State is the place for him to be this weekend. High school football question for, for you, Dean. This is coming from Neil Harris on YouTube. He says, Dean, is the OSHA playoffs watered down with 16 teams, meaning instead of like eight teams in each region making it, basically everybody in the region makes it. There's some yeah. regions with 18 teams and 16 of them make it. Are the high school playoffs in Ohio watered down with 16 teams in each region making it? Yeah, I can I can see that question and, and maybe the point that uh, that it is watered down. As you mentioned, there may only be 17 or 18 teams in a region in some of these regions, uh, but still um, – Kids want to play football. And if you're a senior and, and you get to the playoffs, that's something you're going to probably remember for the rest of your life. And if you happen to win a few games, uh, that's even better. So I, I'm okay with 16 teams making it. Uh, we all love football, so why not football? You know, I, having had a son that played high school basketball and all that, I was so sad to see his career end. And I kind of feel the same way, you know, parents of football players, let them play, I guess. All right, let's get you in on this. We actually have a question for you, Dean, about a kicker. He said, this is David on YouTube. He says, I know Nolan Hauser is a place kicker, but are we in on him? Class of 24, same high school as Evan Pryor. What do you think, Dean? I think, uh, David, you've been doing your research a little bit. That's not a name everybody knows about, but you know that name. So good job, David. And it is somebody that Ohio State is is interested in. Uh, He has been to an Ohio State game earlier this season. Uh, He is interested in Ohio State. Um, uh, So there is certainly mutual interest there. When I last talked to him, uh, he told me that – uh, you know, he's certainly considering Ohio State. He has scholarship offers from a couple other schools. He doesn't have one from Ohio State yet. Uh, but uh, a year ago at this time, I was talking about Jaden Fielding, how he would likely become a Buckeye as a preferred walk-on and be the guy kicking off for Ohio State, uh, maybe doing long field goals. 
And then uh, going on scholarship his second year and taking over uh, after Noah Ruggles was gone. And that's kind of exactly the way that's headed. He's done what he's supposed to do this year. Uh, I think he'll go on scholarship next year. And if Hauser becomes a Buckeye, you know, that could be the path he takes too uh, as a preferred walk-on initially. Um, and, and then perhaps as a scholarship guy, if he were to become a Buckeye. And there's always a chance they could offer him too as well. Another question for the Dean here. We'll get you out of here shortly. Let's get, let's get this one. This is a broad question. I'm sure one everybody wants to know about Bill. Uh, this is from Tom on YouTube. Bill, what recruits are up next for a official visit or I guess visits in general for a home game? Probably the Michigan game. Oh, Indiana is not going to be that big. So how big is the, is the Michigan game going to be? And who's going to be here for the Indiana game? Yeah, you're, you're, you're uh, killing me, Tom. I, I'm just starting to work on I'm going to be spending the rest of the afternoon and evening and tomorrow talking to all the guys visiting this weekend. But that's OK. We'll, we'll go ahead and jump ahead um, for, for the Indiana game. Uh, the big name is a Ryan Carter. He's a linebacker out of Tennessee, Smyrna, Tennessee. Uh, he's a 2023 guy. High State would still like to add a linebacker to their 2023, the current class. And he's a good one. Um, I think his decision is going to come down to Alabama, Tennessee, or Ohio State. He's a kid from Tennessee, so that certainly uh, would give the Vols a lot of hope there, plus the way they're playing. But getting that, you know, High State's recruited well in Tennessee lately, uh, but getting him out, away from Alabama and Tennessee is not going to be easy for Ohio State, but he's a kid that will make an official visit uh, when Ohio State plays Indiana. Um, and I'll, I'll mention one other name for that game, Indiana. Jake Wheelock is a kid I like. He's a uh, 2024 offensive lineman uh, from Ohio, and he doesn't have a scholarship offer yet from the Buckeyes, but I think he can get one uh, in the not-too-distant future. And I would keep the name Jake Wheelock um, in mind. As far as the Michigan game, I think Dave and Tom mentioned uh, looking ahead to that one. Um, that's going to be kind of another who's who's list of guys left. Um uh, the big name right now, official visit-wise for that game, is uh, Jordan Hall, a defensive lineman out of Jacksonville, Florida. Right now, I think Georgia leads for him, but he's scheduled to make an official visit to Ohio State that weekend. And, of course, a lot of the commitments will be there, uh, but there's a lot of great 2024 guys visiting for the Michigan game. Uh, I'll name a few. Uh, Bryce West uh, out of Cleveland-Glenville, a cornerback, tremendous player. Uh, Colin Hurley, a 2025 quarterback, and Ryan Montgomery, uh, Luke's younger brother, a 2025 quarterback. They're going to be at that game. Jordan Marshall, 2024 running back from Cincinnati. Muller will be at that game. Aaron Scott from your neck of the woods, Dave. He's from uh, the Dayton area. He's from, uh, eh, I guess, Dayton, south, south, southwest Ohio. He's from Springfield, actually. Um, will be at that game. Um uh, so there's going to be a lot of great 2024 players and 2025 players at that game. You got time for one more before I get you out of here? Sure. All right, last one. It's from Michael on YouTube. Dean, what would be your dream linebacker room for us in the next cycle? Ooh, that's, uh, that's a good one. Um, for the 2024 guys, and I'll probably forget somebody here, but uh, – uh, Sammy Brown out of Georgia, great player that uh, 
likes Ohio State. He's been to Ohio State. He's going to get back to Ohio State. Kingston Villa Amu, Amu from uh, uh, California is another great player that they're certainly uh, uh, making a strong push for. I think Ohio State uh, is one of his top choices. So those two guys right off the top of my head w- would, would have to be in there and um, uh, trying to think who else I would consider up there with those two well, uh, Garrett Stover, certainly, it would be another one. He's being recruited as a linebacker safety. And I like him a little more as a linebacker, actually. But he's a 2024 guy that they absolutely want. So that would be a third one that I would put in there. And well, I'm glad I didn't, didn't leave out Garrett Stover in that one. So those three guys uh, absolutely would be in there. Well, thank you very much for your insights, sir. I appreciate it very much. Um, we'll get you out of here on that. Thank you to the dean, Bill Kerlick. Um, I'll let you get back to watching football and probably doing a lot of work too, uh, probably multitasking. But thank you very much for jumping in here, Bill. I appreciate it, my friend. Appreciate it, Dave. And uh, always enjoyable to join your show, which I know you do a great job at. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. He is the Dean of Ohio State Football Recruiting. Thank you again, Bill. Appreciate it, friend. All right. Take care. Take care. All right. The Dean. Love it. And we'll hear from Patrick Murphy and Steve Hellwagon live from the horseshoe after interviews are over probably a half hour away from that happening at least i I would guess um so all right now i'm gonna get to more things that we learned then we'll get to your questions if you have questions just kind of hold off right now and then i'll get to them because um i'll there'll be there'll be so many that i won't be able to like see the latest questions so i'll just start uh once i ask for questions um then i'll get to questions so some of the other things we learned you know we started with before we had the dean on I started with, it looks to me like Jackson Smith and Jigba's done. I hope I'm wrong. Um, it just looks like, um, if I had to guess, it looks like Jackson Smith and Jigba's done. So I hope I'm wrong. But it just felt like if he comes back and re-injures that hamstring, he's probably going to shut it down and get ready for the NFL. I give him pre- credit for coming back. He was giddy to come back. And, again, let's all hope I'm wrong. I would love to eat crow on this. Um, and, I mean, if he is able to come back, sit him down till Michigan at least. But uh, not looking good there. So we learned that it's it, we could have seen the last play of Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's where I left off before we had the Dean in. Um, you got Ohio State's defense. I mean, for all the talk about Iowa's defense, now Ohio State's defense was facing Iowa's offense, so that helps. <laughs> Iowa's defense was facing an elite offense, so I, I get it. I, I gave Iowa's defense props. That was one of the first things I wrote down for what we learned. We learned Iowa's defense is legit, and you have to give them credit. But Ohio State was able to wear them down and – eventually get some big plays in the passing game late. And I loved Ryan Day laying it on. Don't forget in 2017, I put something on Twitter about this. Ryan Day has a long memory. Don't forget in 2017, that was Ryan Day's first uh, year at, as as an assistant at Ohio State, his first year at Ohio State, period. And Iowa did a fake punt, you know, up relatively big in the second half. Um, not up that big, but um, kind of ran it up in their own right, you know. Um and Ryan Day has a long memory. I guarantee you that had a lot to do with Ohio State throwing the ball like they were in the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, getting C.J. the Heisman votes that he needs. Equal parts probably, but Ryan Day has a long memory. Um, but uh, Iowa, zero first downs in the first quarter. Jim Knowles is just as a home run hire. Absolutely love it. Um, Cam Brown sitting out today, but we learned Jordan Hancock made his debut, and he was able to play through the whole game. So that was great. They've been – Nursing him back. He's been practicing at full speed for like three weeks now. Made his debut. Was able to make it through the game. Good seeing number seven out there. Um, 
That's huge. I did think Denzel Burke played well today. Uh, J.K. Johnson got the start, hot and cold. Didn't see as much as Jair Brown as I thought we would. We saw him late. Just great. Not for just this game, obviously. It didn't matter this game. And getting Jordan Hancock back is huge. And seeing Denzel Burke starting to look like Denzel Burke is huge, too. So that's great. Um, I think overall the kickoff coverage is something we learn is really, really on point. I love the kickoff coverage for the, for the Buckeyes. It's looking really good out there. Um, not always. There was one they got past the 30 once. But overall, um, they're like going in there and they're just crushing guys like inside the 20. It's not even inside the 25. They're getting guys like at the 15. And uh, it's not just one guy. It's almost like if one guy doesn't get him, there's another guy waiting right there or two guys get him at the same time. So, and the whole special teams was on point today. Jesse Murko's a weapon. Love it. Um, Tommy Eichenberg better win the Butkus Award. Not that I've seen every like, linebacker in college football this year, but uh, I'll, I'll be surprised if he doesn't win the line. If he doesn't win the, uh, I shouldn't just say I, I'll, I'll be surprised. He looks like a serious candidate to win the Butkus. I mean, once again, Tommy Eichenberg, Zach Harrison, as I said to begin the show, in case you guys missed it, was the defensive star today. I mean, my gosh, Zach Harrison, the game of his life was just unbelievable. Uh, even things that didn't show up in the stat sheet, probably like when he would like hit the quarterback as he's throwing, and that leads to an interception or leads to. Um, you know, them getting off the field on third down. Zach Harrison was tremendous, but Tommy Eichenberg, um, the pick six, which really sealed the game um, there at the end of the first half. Ohio State goes up 26 to 10 there. You're like, yeah, as bad as the offense is looking up 26 to 10, there's no way, no way Iowa's going to score like 27 points in this game. Uh, I'm surprised they scored 10, but the only reason they did is because they got that, that uh, sack fumble on CJ on the first play of the game. Um, and, uh, and cashed it in. Is that the first play of the game or one of the first plays of the game? Um, so, actually, that wasn't the first play of the game because Ohio State had that, that the field. That Ohio State went three and out and kicked the field goal to go up 3 nothing. then. So, Ohio State's like first real drive, I guess. Nah, that, that was not nah, second drive. It's still their second drive. But Tommy Eichenberg just playing so good. Also had a tackle for loss, several tackles. Um, maybe had one bad play the whole game. Like I saw him miss like one tackle. It was I don't even think it goes down the books as a missed tackle. That's how great he's playing. He's just all over the field. He's the quarterback of the defense. Tommy Eichenberg is playing like if he doesn't win the butt kiss, he better be a finalist. That's how great he's playing. Um, Tanner McAllister, we learned is an un, was an underrated transfer. I think if you're a diehard Buckeye fan, you were you were excited about it. You knew that was you know a good pickup, but uh, you didn't hear much buzz about like oh. You heard a lot of stuff about like, well, Ohio State didn't really like tap into the portal much this offseason. Well, they didn't like get like seven guys, but man, you get like a really good starter like that. That was an all big 12 player last year that knows Jim Knowles' defense in and out, follows Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State to Ohio State. Um, two interceptions today, now three on the season. And he just is always in the right spot, um, even if he doesn't play the same position as Jordan Fuller. It reminds me a little bit of that. Like you better believe Tanner McAllister is going to know what he's doing, where he's supposed to be, and he's going to be in the right spot. You don't have to worry about him freelancing. You don't have to worry about him missing tackles. You don't have to worry about, like, you know, does he not know that, you know, the signal? Like, he's the one giving the signals. And I just think, you know, we learned that Tanner McAllister was an underrated transfer. All right. Again, we're going to go good and bad, right? Because, I mean, even though it, it, it finished looking really, really good. I mean, that that score, 54. If I told you 54 to 10 against Iowa, you'd be like, okay, hell yeah. And, you, and hopefully you still are. A lot of times, though, if it starts slow and then ends fast, people only focus on on the bad. But um, I think we have to like recognize that was a overall a really good win for Ohio State. But there were bad things. Like I thought, the offensive line did not get nearly enough push at times. Now there were times they were outmanned. 
it wasn't just on the offensive line. Sometimes it's easy to see like the running back gets stuffed. And you're like, oh, the offensive line, what are they doing? There's a guy got in there. Like, well, if they're bringing a lot of times that's on play calling though. Now, sometimes it was on the offensive line. Again, this is why I like to do the written, what we learned after I rewatched the game. Now, as I'm watching the game, I'm rewinding and, you know, I'm focusing on the game. So I'm like rewinding a lot of plays, but like when, once I rewatched the game, but I saw a lot of plays where it really wasn't on the O-line where they were outmanned Iowa, just out schemed them and had like, you know, seven to their five or eight to their six or whatever, basically run blitzing. But there were times when Ohio State's offensive line was not getting the job done. We can't sugarcoat it. Okay. Um, and again, though, Iowa's got a great defense. We, we can acknowledge both things, but Ohio State's offensive line's got to be better because as good as Iowa is on defense, um, you know, Michigan's just as good, you know, I think. Maybe some people would disagree with that. They're at least like, like, comparative and Michigan doesn't have the most anemic offense in college football. In fact, Michigan has the number 22 offense in college football, not elite, but good, very good running game. No downfield passing game that we've seen so far for Michigan um, dink and dunk passing game to the tight ends and stuff. But, um, but still they've got a really good running game. Number 22 offense in the country for Michigan dead last in the country for Iowa in total offense. So um, the offensive line needs to be better. Not if they're going to beat Indiana and Northwestern and Maryland or even next week against Penn State, but if they're going to beat Michigan, the offensive line has to be better. And I am confident Ohio State's going to beat Michigan, but the offensive line has to be better. Marvin and Emeka, goodness gracious, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I mean, they're both Bolitnikov candidates. It's it's they'll probably they'll probably end up like hurting each other because they're going to like share votes and somebody like from like some pass happy offense that would be like fifth string at Ohio State will win it. Um, but, um, those guys are just tremendous. It's unbelievable. They're, they're such hard workers or so they have the entire package. Okay. They've got the talent. Okay. And they've got like the hard work and they've got the character. Like these are like first class young men off the field. And then Harrison jr. Has got the bloodlines, but he's also got, you know, he looks nothing like his father, meaning like his size. Harrison senior is a little bit undersized. High school quarterback, you know, was an option quarterback in high school and transitioned to wide receiver under, you know, Donovan McNabb at, at Syracuse. And then obviously played with Peyton Manning all those years with the Colts and Hall of Fame wide receiver. But what, about six foot, 190 pounds, something like that? I have to look it up. I mean, Marvin, Marv's every bit of 6'4, 210. I say it all the time. He reminds me of AJ Green. AJ Green early years with the Bengals or AJ Green with the, with, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. And um, Ameke Buka is just fantastic as well. These are just, First-class young men off the field, absolutely, extremely talented, and they work harder than anybody. It's awesome. It's still it's staggering how you lose for two first-round picks at wide receiver. Jackson Smith and Jigba's out, so basically you lose three first-round picks and you don't skip a beat at wide receiver. Kudos to Ryan Day and Brian Hartline. Mark Pantone for his recruiting, but Brian Hartline, his development, his recruiting, and Ryan Day. I mean, it, it starts with, you know, the man up top, so uh, – Marvin and Emeka, we continue to learn they're absolute studs. And, you know, both those guys should be Bolitnikoff finalists. I don't care if there's only three finalists. Those, those two are two of the best wide receivers in the country, no doubt about it. All right, C.J. Stroud. All right, struggled at times, but I think we have to acknowledge that he was dropping dimes in the second half. I mean, there were like three throws where it was like, whoa, and we're used to like C.J. making great throws. But there were some throws where it was like, wow, he just did that. And – I think we have to acknowledge the fact that C.J. Stroud, um, you know, life is good when, you know, 
he threw for four touchdowns, nearly like what 300 yards against a really, really, really good defense. And everybody's like, what's wrong with CJ? And I'll admit, I did write in early in my notes, like, oh, oh, is he, is he killing his uh, Heisman campaign? You know, when he had an interception and no touchdowns. And then the second half, though, I mean, you look at those final lines. If you're a Heisman voter against this Iowa defense, um, there's no way you're going to hold anything against CJ Stroud. He was, he made up for it. Now he's got to be better than he was in the first half. Don't get me wrong. But, um, I think, you know, what he did in the first half, you know, that's going to overshadow what he did in the second half. I think people are going to focus on kind of what happened in the first half more than what happened in the second half. But I give him credit. He was just dropping dimes. I love that 70-yard, 79-yard touchdown pass to Julian Fleming. Um, Iowa's like, like, Iowa still had their first team defense in there. Listen, if you want to say the game's over, then get your second team defense out there. We'll we'll follow suit, put our backups in there. If you're going to run blitz with your first team defense, uh, we're going to do a play action fake. We're going to hit Julian Fleming. It was still decent coverage by the DB. It just could not have been a better throw by CJ. And then Fleming, once you get he gets the ball, he's a runaway freight train. Um, so I loved, loved, loved that. Um, can't say enough nice things about Jim Knowles, the mad scientist up there, just doing great things. Um, can't say enough thing, nice things about Jim Knowles. Um, home run hire for the Buckeyes. I mean, just absolute grand slam home run hire. I mean, down three in the ninth, oh, two game seven of the World Series. And Jim Knowles, it's a grand slam home run. That's that's what he's doing right now. I absolutely love it. I mean, they're going to move up. They're the number five total defense in the country. They'll move up now. I mean, Iowa couldn't do anything today. All right. So we've talked to some good, 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 good. I've told you we're going to, we have to do good and bad because we got to be real. The running game's a disappointment. And I know Iowa was selling out to stop the run. And they're, they're thinking if we can get pressure on CJ, then he won't have time to throw the ball. And that was working for most of the game for the first half. It was working for the entirety of the first half. But well, what have we been saying though? Ohio State can run the ball when the other team knows they're going to run the ball. Well, today they couldn't. I mean, it was an anemic rushing attack. It's disappointing. There's just no getting around it. It's disappointing. Um, just no getting around it. Absolutely disappointing. Um, so, I mean, just the, the running game has to be light years better than that because basically they've been tested twice this year, Notre Dame and Iowa. In Notre, at least in the Notre Dame game, it was like, well, at least they adjusted and then just were able to pound the ball down their throat in the second half. Now, at least in this game, they adjusted and they were like, they're just stopping the run. We're going to pick them apart in the passing game, which they did. So you got to adjust one way. So I, I get it. Like at some point, Ryan Day was probably like, okay, it sounds good to say we got to commit to the run right now, but they're, you know, sending eight in the box with our quarterback and our wide receivers. All right, we're going to, we're going to torch them. And they did finally in the passing game, but it took a while to get there. But the running game has to be better and markedly better, exponentially better. Not to beat Penn State next week, who looks soft up front. Not to beat Indiana and Maryland and Northwestern, but to beat Michigan, you know, to win the national championship. You better be markedly better in the running game. <laughs> playing starters late, as I wrote down. We learned that Day was playing the starters late to get revenge. I already mentioned that a little bit. Um, and we mentioned great adjustments. We mentioned great adjustments. Okay, Eric, this is more of a uh, – yeah, I agree with this. This is from Eric on Facebook. Stroud, 20 of 30, 286 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Not bad considering how shaky the first half looked. Those stats look good. I will say one more thing I meant to say, though. He should have had three interceptions. <laughs> he was very, 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 very lucky he didn't have three interceptions. Goodness gracious. Um, 
my gosh. Another uh, – this is a comment, not a question. This is from Buckeyes fan up north. CJ got better once JSN went out. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, – I think that's probably a coincidence. But, yeah. Jesse says he thinks JSN will play again. Emmanuel says JSN should just get ready for the draft. Goodness gracious. Robert saying all props to JSN. We are fine with or without him. Again, though, Robert, if the starting receivers right now stay healthy, I agree. If they have Marvin Harrison Jr., Mecca Buka, and Julian Fleming, they'll be more than fine. What if one of those guys gets hurt or two of those guys, heaven forbid? So, man, that's just too bad. That was my biggest fear. He was going to come back and, and re-injure, and that's exactly what happened. But that that just tells me that um, it was inevitable. It was going to probably happen even if they waited you know, another month. Ken Taco Hut. Yeah, I mentioned this earlier. I know a lot of people are just tuning in. He says, Dave, just say it. JSN is done. I said it earlier. That's my contention. I hope I'm wrong. But, yeah, as I said earlier, I'll be surprised if that was not the last uh, snap of football JSN will ever play for the Buckeyes, and that's sad. He uh, literally had a record-breaking year for Ohio State last year, the most receiving yards in Ohio State history in a single season by a wide margin. 1,605 yards last year. 1,605 yards last year. Unbelievable. Brandon, on Facebook, CJ made adjustments in the second half and his footwork evading to extend some plays. Did you see that very good adjustment? I did see him with better pocket presence in the second half. Um, I don't know if that was something the coaches told him as far as an adjustment or something he did on his own, but you're right. That was an adjustment he made. I noticed he was – uh, moving in the pocket better and, and buying himself some more time. Listen, this was not a bad. You, I mean, we got to take, we got to look at the whole thing, right? Like if he was started great and then finished bad, we would be talking about that. Like he made some really good throws, some like absolute, just unbelievable CJ Stroud type throws. He also struggled at times. And again, even though he only had one interception, he should have had three. They flat out dropped one. And then another one was called back, which was, you know, he was very lucky that was called back. Stephen Cherry, we still don't use Cade Stover enough, and it's always open. Yeah, I I love when they lose they use Cade Stover, and I'm glad they're using him more. I will say there was one play that was called back where he had like a nice play early, and it was called back uh, due to a penalty. But uh, it was like an illegal formation. Apparently, Dewan Jones was like lined up like a little bit uh, that far back in the backfield, so they called illegal illegal procedure or excuse me. Um, Illegal formation, so that that took that pass from Cade away. But yeah, Cade's a Cade's a beast. He looks like a beast out there, doesn't he? He looks like an absolute beast. Facebook, Donnie Powell, one of the better softball players ever. Do you really think Michigan's pass defense can hold up against Ohio State's offense? Not for sixty minutes. I don't. I think they really only have the one really good DB in DJ Turner. Um, they lost all their other DBs from last year, at least. Uh, I think three of the five, including their nickelbacks. So uh, now Stander still has made a nice transition from wide receiver to nickel. I was thinking that's desperation, but he actually has looked good. So Sanders still, but um, no, I don't think they can hold up. As long as Ohio State has a Mecca and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming, um, I think that's going to be a bad day for Michigan. So um, we'll see what happens there. Robert. On YouTube, I think if Mayan would run the ball more, it would help our run game. 
Yeah, I mean, like I like Travion a lot. It does seem like mine is the better of the two backs, though. It does. Not by a wide margin. I like Travion a lot. It's a good problem to have. But if we had a rank, it wouldn't be a, like a huge margin, in my opinion. Because I think Travion's running the ball well. But um, to me, it feels like mine is the better of the two backs. Entered play today, ranked third in the country in yards per carry. That'll go down. Jeez. Buckeye 80. Do I think if C.J. Stroud ran the ball more, it would help the run game? Yes. Do you not think that 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 Iowa talked about that all week? That he's no threat to run the game, run the ball, so we know that we can key on the run the running backs. Or if he like puts the ball in the running, you know, in the running back's belly, we either know he's either going to give the ball to the running back or he's going to pull it and throw it. He's absolutely no threat to run. There's not that triple threat of okay when he does that when he fakes the run, it could be the running back running it, or he could pull it, he could run it, or he could throw it. No, it's it's just a two pronged attack. It's not three pronged. And yes. Yes, CJ being zero threat at all to run affects Ohio State in games like this. And you can make all the excuses you want. He doesn't need to run it a lot. That's not my point. You guys all know how I feel about this if you've listened to me. I'm not saying he needs to run the ball five or ten times a game. Once or twice a game, it'd be nice to have a called quarterback run where the, the defense is not going to be expecting it. Can you imagine if they did like a little bootleg, naked bootleg with CJ Stroud? Do you think the DN is going to have any respect for him to run the ball? No way. Now, maybe they're saving it for Michigan. Maybe they're saying it in a Michigan. Dade said JSM was on a pitch count. He just said that in the presser. I know what I saw. We have Linz Breezy saying, um, you know, I'm not watching the press conference because I'm doing the show. I appreciate that, Linz. Loyal listener to all of our shows. Uh, and I'm sure he's saying that. I know what I saw, though. J- Jackson's limping off the field, and he had his head down, and he doesn't come back in. I mean, I, I got, I've got to – I mean – I'll be shocked if that wasn't his last play that, that as a Buckeye. I hope I'm wrong. They rushed him back twice. Okay, a lot of people are staying positive. Brutus B. Buckeye must stay positive about JSN. We will see him again. I hope you guys are right. We'll see him again in the NFL. I don't know if we'll see him in Scarlet and Gray. I mean, he definitely limped off. We saw what we saw, right? I mean, he limped off. As Dennis is saying, he had his head down. It looked, and then it just was just like he kind of knew. He had that look at like, oh crap, I knew. Yeah, Lindsay saying, oh yeah, scary. Yep. I will say that John Gorby, that, that's a good point. John on YouTube saying CJ Stroud did try on a scramble today, but waited too long. Yeah, but like he was trying to. I, I did like that though. Yeah, he did wait too long, but that defender slipped, and he thought maybe he could get by him. So at least he did kind of try that one time. That's a good point. I like that he's not, like, completely, like, averse to trying it, you know. Um, but, man, that'd be huge for Ohio State because you don't want that opposing defense to have – because if you're a defensive coordinator, you would do the same thing. You'd be like, this guy has is zero threat to run at all. And if he does it once, okay, then maybe we'll adjust or twice. But we, let's make him do it first. And he never does it or very rarely does it. Very rarely does it. We have somebody talking about uh, Chase. Uh, Jamar Chase didn't play the entire year and was rookie of the year. Right, but Jamar Chase is, I mean, as good as Jackson Smith and Jigba is, he's, I don't think he's like a freak like Jamar Chase, though. Jamar Chase is a freak. I'm saying this as somebody who does not miss an Ohio State game or a Bengals game. Like, Jamar, like Jackson Smith and Jigba is fantastic, but Jamar Chase is next level. Like, sat out the season and still was the number five pick of the draft and still was the rookie of the year by a wide margin. And I think Jackson, even if healthy this year and putting up another huge year, would not have been the number five overall pick of the draft. Maybe I'm wrong. 
But um, yeah, Bosa, we have another one here. Yeah, Neil's making good points. I mean, you can sit out and still be, you know, Nick Bosa. He's saying um, was rookie of the year after sitting out most of the year. That year, Ryan Day was uh, interim head coach there for uh, for three games that 2018 season, and Nick Bosa was rookie of the year. That's true. Yeah, if, if your point is that this is going to hurt Jackson Smith and Jacob's pro career or won't hurt it, I agree with that. I don't think this is going to hurt his pro career because hamstring injuries linger, but they don't. It's not like they're going to linger for three years unless you know you don't give it proper rest in the off season. But like during a season, that's the problem. That's what we were all worried about. With it was this was going to linger during the season, and it has. And now I'm worried he's done. Now I'm worried he's done for the year. But I, I agree, it's not going to, um, it's not going to hurt his pro prospects. All right, Riley on Facebook. Stroud doesn't need to run. Why run? He doesn't run the ball, and we still blow opponents out. Why take the risk? Well, they weren't blowing Iowa out early today, and I think in certain games, Michigan, college football playoff, if you just have that once or twice a game or you get a cheap first down, whether it's a cold quarterback run because there's no way they're going to be expecting that, right? Uh, you get a cheap uh, you know, first down that way. Then they maybe they got to respect it. Maybe the DN there is a little bit then, you know, um, unsure of himself, little pause. He's not crashing as hard because he has to respect it then. Um, I think he needs to do it once or twice a game. Once or twice a game. All right, we have Patrick Murphy live from the Horseshoe. Patrick, welcome in, my Hello. friend. How you doing? I'm good. It's a lot hotter than I expected it to be today, so uh, I'm pretty warm. But other than that, it's good. Yeah, having like a little, uh, little summer and fall here. Um, Patrick Murphy, live from the Horseshoe. All right, so Buckeye started slow. Um, what was kind of the vibe in the post-game uh, interview room? Was it like, hey, they, they took care of business. They ended up winning this game by 44. Uh, or was it like mostly focusing on the slow start? Just what, what was kind of the vibe? They were happy with, with the results, certainly, uh, especially the defensive guys we talked to. I would say that they are well aware of the fact that there are things that they need to clean up here especially offensively in the red zone. That was something that's been really good. And obviously Iowa's defense deserves some credit for a lot of the things that happened today. But, you know, uh, I think you you have to accept the fact that this wasn't as good as you expected coming into this game, even playing against good defense, because you're going to face good defenses once you get into, you know, the college football playoff potentially, things like that. So there's definitely things to clean up. They need to score touchdowns in the red zone. Ryan Day said that very clearly. And, uh, you know, that was not a a thing they did well today, even though they have all season. So things to work on for sure. All right. What's being said about Jackson Smith and Jigba? I know what I saw. It sure looked like he re-injured the hamstring. I won't be surprised if he's done. What do you you think? Yeah, I am a bit perplexed because he clearly, like right there, pulled up. A little bit and it didn't look serious because he kept jogging around and stretching it out and we were watching him pretty closely those next few minutes but then ryan day said in the post game that he just reached his snap count limit and so they took him out of the game and then there's a follow-up question about it and he said you know he thought that jackson was at about 20 or so snaps and I, i don't know what the exact number he did play but that that was that was why they pulled him out of the game I don't believe that. I, I can't. I mean, I think Ryan Day has been more forthcoming with us this year about injuries. But that to me is just I, I think he's going to regret saying that because he's going to have to go back on it next week. Now, we were talking to Emeka Buka and he said 
you know, he was frustrated, didn't get to play more, but this is just the start of him coming back. So, you know, maybe it was something really minor and they were just like, well, you're about your limit anyway. Let's just call it a day. I, I mean, we'll certainly hear more this week, but I saw it the way you did. It looks like he definitely tweaked it, you know, enough that he was not comfortable walking for a minute. And then, then he looked better. Um, I didn't pay attention much in the second half. I didn't see him on the sideline, but I was looking at other things at that point. So we'll see. But it, that's certainly a weird thing to say when it, you know, the last play was certainly something that wasn't normal. It's not like he caught a pass, jogged off celebrating, and then they're like, okay, you're done. That would have been something where I could have bought Ryan Day's explanation. How about the game from Zach Harrison? He's been yeah. much maligned by fans. He was all over the place. His stat sheet looks good. There are even plays that are not going to show up in the stat sheet. Sure. But he was phenomenal. Zach Harrison with the game of his life. My goodness, has he come of age. Absolutely. And Ryan Day talked about it. He was asked. He told a, a funny story that I will quickly summarize that when he when they were recruiting Zach, his, his first year as the head coach, Zach was obviously a huge uh, you know, huge recruit, really important for them to get, but they'd obviously shifted head coaches from Urban Meyer to, to Ryan Day. So he went with Larry Johnson to Zach Harrison's house. And after the, the meeting with him and his family, he gave him a Buckeye, which I think Ryan Day does with everybody when he visits. And Zach looked at it, took a second, looked at it and said, Coach Day, you, you know Buckeyes are poisonous, right? And Ryan said he walked out with Larry Johnson and said, Larry, we're not getting Zach. And uh, he thought he made a big mistake there. Obviously they did. Ryan talked about his journey and just how, you know, it, it's everybody's different. And Zach admitted when we talked to him after this game that, look, he came in and he watched Chase Young and he watched some of those other guys his freshman year and thought, oh, I'll do that next year. And he was frustrated when that didn't pan out that way. But now he's certainly much more comfortable, I think, in his skin, in his role, in what he does. Ryan Day pointed out that, you know, Zach is bigger, longer than a lot of the defensive ends that have been really successful there. And so he kind of had to grow into his body. I don't know enough about how defensive ends grow into their body to, to confirm or deny that. But I do think Zach Harrison is playing his best football of his career right now. Welcome in Steve Hellwagon. Steve, piggyback on that. Uh, welcome in uh, to the show. Uh, Zach Harrison, much of the line, as Patrick was just talking about, uh, had game of his life. What do you think about Zach Harrison falling out today? I thought he was outstanding, and he came out, uh, shot out of a cannon uh, early in the game. I made the comment to Pat that the right tackle was uh, uh, he couldn't block him. And uh, Pat said that when he talked to our Iowa publishers that they were starting some younger guys on the offensive line this week because of injuries or whatever. And so, uh, you know, that was kind of borne out. Those guys had a real rough day trying to – keep Zach Harrison out of the backfield and he wreaked some havoc. This was the Zach Harrison we were promised four years ago. And, uh, you know, kind of like uh, Pat was alluding to what Coach Day said, everybody's on their own path, their own journey. And uh, he got closer to his destination today, no question about it. All right, Patrick, um, let's get you out of here on this. Um, your thoughts on, you know, I guess some of the, like, the negative things about Ohio State. You know, we – the lack of being able to run the ball when Iowa knew they were going to run the ball. I know Iowa was doing a lot of run blitzing, but your thoughts on the offensive line and Ohio State's inability to run the ball when they needed to. Yeah, it was strange just given what we've seen because they've been so successful, especially in those short yardage red zone situations. I said at halftime that I thought they should run the ball more down there. I thought they were throwing too much in the red zone. 
then they tried it a couple times and they were getting nothing. And so I understand a little bit why they were throwing down there. Look, I think you've got to give some credit to Iowa here, right? This is a really good defense. And if you thought that was a joke going in, yes, Ohio State scored 50-whatever points today, but it, it was difficult. And so give Iowa credit. They are a very good defense. And if their offense didn't make their defense play 40 minutes a game, they probably would look a lot better than, than the numbers do even now. So I think credit there. I think the Buckeyes probably have benefited from playing some offense or some defenses that haven't been able to handle the run, but now you've got tape of, of what teams are going to do and you've got to figure it out this week because you're going to see some pretty good defenses down the stretch here and they're going to look at what Iowa did and, and try and emulate some of those things to stop the run game and, and to combat this offensive line. CJ Stroud was under pressure about as much as I've seen him this year too. So uh, yeah, that, that whole area will, will certainly need some work, but I think that's good for the Buckeyes. You know, I think you needed something to, you know, show these guys, look, it's not always going to be this cakewalk offensive performance um their, their struggles are, are sometimes good for a team especially when you still win by 40 plus points <laughs> any, par- any parting thoughts before you get out of here anything else you'd like to say to the bucknutters out there no i think steve will close this out perfectly okay yeah. Thank you, patrick appreciate it all right Put see a lot you will no all right steve let's get into it man um so i don't know man do you think jsn is done you think we've seen the last of jackson that didn't look good. I'll say that. Uh, and obviously this game was well in hand. I mean, even though it was whatever it was at halftime, I don't even remember 16-10 or what, 16-7. Um, didn't look good. He, they they sent him on a deep, yeah, they sent him on a deep pass down the sideline toward the Ohio State bench. And as he came out of the, the route, it was obvious he had done something to his hamstring again. And so um, – I don't know if this is going to be another month or if this is going to be just a couple days and get treatment and see how he feels. But damn, if this is just something that he just can't escape and it's, you know, nobody's fault, you know, nobody's doing something wrong or, you know, whatever there he wants to play. They want him to play. and, And it's just what it is. I mean, there's just nothing anybody can really do about it to change it. And it's unfortunate because he's worked so hard for this this moment that you figure was going to be his crowning achievement as a uh, college player. And it's just not worked out for him. And, you know, to declare, Oh, that's it. And his college career is over. I don't think we're ready to say that just yet. I guess, I guess we're back to asking the same six questions every week. You know, is he practicing? Is he ready? Is he healthy? Can he go? And, you know, when will he be healthy? I don't know, but uh, hopefully it's just a, <clears throat> a small thing and, and not, uh, not a serious thing. Yeah, it looks pretty serious, though. Um, I'll tell you what's as serious is the play of Tommy Eichenberg. My gosh, he looks like he's like going to win the Buckus Award. He's playing that well. And he's he's now putting up like stats like getting a pick six today, another tackle for loss, things you have to do, get those numbers. It's not just to how good you look um, to the naked eye. So Tommy Eichenberg, Steve, I'd be lying if I said I ever saw this coming. He, he did turn it on in the Rose Bowl and had a great Rose Bowl, defensive MVP in the Rose Bowl with 17 or 18 tackles. Um, but we're seeing great linebacker play out of Tommy Eichenberg. Your thoughts on that? Oh, I agree 100%. I think Zach Harrison may have been the defensive player of the game today, but for the first seven games, it's Tommy Eichenberg. He's been the best player overall on the defense for the first seven games. And so, uh, you know, he just keeps coming with the lunch pail week after week after week and uh, playing his best football. I think he's 
I've said all Big Ten, possibly all American level, you know, there's still five games left to earn that. And uh, we'll see if he's able to finish it off. But uh, he's played outstanding. I mean, just wonderful kind of uh, harkens us back to some great Ohio State linebacker play of uh, of years gone by, Dave. So <laughs> not not to disparage anybody who's played there in the last five years, but uh, it's been a couple of years since they've had an impact guy at uh, – at linebacker, and uh, I think he's uh, he's filling that bill pretty nicely right now, and, and really fitting in this scheme offense or defensively. Uh, you know, we talk about what Jim Knowles has done, and I know that uh, Iowa was the worst team in the country, less than 300 yards per game and less than 15 points per game coming in to the game, and their offense netted three points today. Uh, their defense again outscored their offense with the the. Uh, fumble recovery for the touchdown and um, Ohio state held them to like 158 yards. I think they were one of 13 perhaps on third down. So they didn't sustain any drives and it was just uh, really just a kind of inspiring performance by the Ohio state defense, knowing that again, this is the sixth or seventh really bad offense that they've played. So we'll see when they get in, you know, Penn State maybe marginally better next week. We'll see, uh, you know, how they do next week. Uh, uh, you know, I'm going to going to Happy Valley. Well, let's go see what happens. You know, it's not, it's not a, it's, it's a whiteout. It's the whiteouts tonight. It's not a whiteout for once. It's not a whiteout. It's not a whiteout. And thank God. Well, yeah, they got their asses smoked. So yeah. That's um, hey, where do you come down on CJ Stroud? The final numbers look really, really good. Um, but you oh, know, he boy. only had one interception. He should have had three interceptions. He did have four touchdowns. And man, in the second half, he had like three or four balls. It was like, wow. I even for CJ, it was like, man, he could not have thrown that any better. But there was there was a lot of good. But people are going to focus on the bad. I get that. Steve Hellwagon, you're a voice of reason. How yeah. do you break down what you saw as Mr. CJ Stroud today? It's a 60-minute game, and uh, we're, we're judged over the course of 60 minutes, and I think that's how you have to look at it. On the whole, it was a winning performance for him, even with two turnovers. And uh, I, I'm not I'm not down on him at all. I, I, I recall two plays that really stood out. There was one that if he had just kept running, he could have gotten like 20 yards. Instead, he threw it up for grabs down the field, and they intercepted it. And, you know – that's fine to do that against Iowa when you're up a million to one or whatever, but, you know, come and see me when you're playing Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan later on, and you make that kind of play and all of a sudden you don't win the national championship. Uh, there's going to be a lot of, lot of unhappy people. So uh, I just, it's just this idea that, you know, we got to get all of it right now, as opposed to taking what they give you, maybe some impatience at times, that, that creeps in there and, and uh, you know, you, you can't make some of those plays and uh, he's, he's got to be able to take what they give him maybe a little bit better, but I'm not going to quibble too much with him because he, he does some amazing things. He always makes up for it on the back end and, and makes six plays after that to make up for the one maybe that he didn't make. But uh, I think coach day made a very good point that, they were getting turnovers and they had short fields and in the red zone, everything's compressed and contracted and you've got to be precise. And Iowa did outstanding job defensively in the red zone, holding Ohio state to field goals. And they've got, you know, one of the best defenses in college football. People may not like for me to say that or believe that, but they that, definitely was born, do. Yes. that was born out here today. They're, they're legitimate. 
And uh, I think what coach was saying was until later in the game, when they were pinned back deep in their own end and they had to drive the length of the field and he could get in to a rhythm that maybe he was not, 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 not where he needed to be. So he was having to be too precise too early in the game, essentially. And uh, that bit him. So, uh, you know, they, they did have some incompletions in the red zone and, and um, he even got pressured the one time and just, just basically threw it away. Didn't even give the receiver a chance to make a play because he wasn't getting hit. So he was getting rid of that football. So, but you know, in the first half, you, you throw that away and you live to, to play another down. So, um, you know, 54 to 10, there's a lot of teams out there that would love to have that today uh, that, that didn't win, aren't going to win today in some big time games. And uh, Buckeyes 7 and 0. 4-0 in the Big Ten, dead even with Michigan, and now it's the, the five-week race to the finish, Dave. Here we go. That's right. We'll get you out of here on this. Jim Knowles, wow. I mean, this is – we thought he might have been a home run. Underpaid, underpaid at $2 million, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, can I turn him to be his agent? I don't know. Man, underpaid at $2 million. You said it all right there. You don't even need to elaborate. Underpaid. underpaid. That's, how, that's how great he is. It made him uh, by far. It wasn't that long ago we hear Gene Smith saying, "I'm not going to get in the business of playing paying assistant coaches a million dollars." Jim Knowles is making twice that and uh, underpaid. Keep well, stuff. I'll, I'll just I'll just say this: I want to see next week what happens because it you there was some adversity today. There'll definitely be some adversity next week because Penn State's going to play with their hair on fire because they've mm-hmm. already lost the game. Right. They can't lose another game. So Ohio State's in for one next week and and. Some of that will be on him. He's got to come up with a plan to, to make Clifford's life miserable. And if they could do that, they'll go in and win the game. I don't have any doubt about it. If somebody's saying that Bryson Shaw would have looked good against uh, this, uh, I think he means I think he means this offense. <laughs> uh, all right, Steve Hellwagon, thank you very much. Uh, appreciate our great all fans. Of they're inside. with them, win or, win or tie. They're with them. You've got a lot of fans here. Randy on Facebook saying can't argue with Steve. He makes good points every time. Well, we, tried. we tried. We tried. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate you, my friend. All right. Love every one of you, and we'll see you later. All right. Thanks, Steve. He is Steve Hellwagon. Thank you to Steve. Thank you to Patrick. Thank you to Bill Curlick, all the guests. Let's hit some more uh, questions here before we wrap up the show. I got a couple in the queue right now that I want to get to. All right. A couple. We're going to bracket these together. A couple from Facebook. Larry Brake. Didn't hear Mike Hall's name today. What did you guys see? We also have Donnie Powell on Facebook. What, what do you guys think about the way the defensive tackles played? Well, Mike Hall did play, um, and he was effective when he was in there. I don't think he had any stats, but there were a couple times that he just flew in the backfield as he has wont to do. There was one time he basically blew up the play, and then Steel Chambers missed the tackle, which would have been either a tackle for a loss or a tackle for no game, but the guy ended up getting like six yards. Um, but Michael Hall still in a little bit of a pitch count, in my opinion. Um, but, um, you know, he was definitely in there today. Didn't play a ton of snaps, but played more than the seven that he did the last game. And then I thought overall, Donnie, the defensive tackles played well. Jerron Cage is a guy we're probably not talking about enough. He flashed. He he was in there. Um, they were really, really, really affecting that line of scrimmage. Now, Iowa's center is terrible. They had the best center in college football last year in Linderbaum, who the Ravens took in the first round of the draft with the number 25 overall pick. Um, Baltimore actually traded up to get him. I thought that was a good pick. So Iowa lost a stud center, and the one they have right now is not very good. Not a good offensive line at all. But Jerron Cage is a sixth-year senior, is playing well. 
Teron Vincent, fifth-year senior. Mike Hall, to me, is still the best defensive tackle on the team, but he's you know a little bit of a pitch count right now still. Even though I'm sure he could have played as much as they needed him if it was a big game, but um, then Tyleek Williams was in there getting that you know the fourth amount uh, fourth fourth most snaps of those D tackles. So all four of those D tackles I like. Um, and then right now Ty Hamilton is that fifth defensive tackle. Didn't get in there till late. Um, so there you go. I don't minimize my screen. I actually just like minimize my screen as I'm trying to answer questions. That'd be tough to do. Tyler, Dave, do I feel like uh, Stroud stares down his receivers too much? At times I, I do. I think sometimes, you know, it's a combination, Tyler, of he, he makes – it's kind of one and the same. that He'll make his decision sometimes before the snap. I'm going here unless he absolutely sees something that he doesn't like. But there was times he was thrown into triple coverage. It wasn't good. He should have had three interceptions today. You guys know I love C.J. Stroud, and I talk him up. He's the most accurate passer we've ever seen at Ohio State. Um, probably just the best passer ever at Ohio State, period. But, um, you know, he does stare his, his, his receivers down too much at times. He is, you know, you know predetermines what he's going to do before the snap at times. And then there's times where he'll go through his progressions and then make a throw to his third receipt, you know, a third guy in his progression that's just, like, unbelievable. Or he'll roll out to his left. You know, as a right-handed quarterback throwing against his body, as Joel Klatt was saying, I mean, so it's, it might look easy. It's really, really, really hard to do. We've seen him make incredible throws rolling out. So um, he's not perfect. He's not perfect, but he doesn't always stare down his primary receiver, but he does at times, to your point. To your point. Yeah, you got to love him. Eddie on Facebook saying you got to love him. You got to love C.J. Stroud. Exactly. He's not perfect. Lins Breezy OH, do I think CJ hurt his Heisman hope today? Initially, I did. I, I thought that for sure, Lins. I thought for sure that he heard it. And then, you know, it's it's a stats game. When the, when the voters look at this, I and mean, how many Heisman voters are watching this game start to finish? I don't know. We're going to go back and watch it. But um, it didn't look good early. It looked like he was hurting himself. And then in the second half, if anything, he helped himself. He got lucky, though, because he only had one interception. Again, I keep saying it. He could have should have had at least two, probably three. But the final stats look good against a really good defense. Four touchdowns, one interception. So keep piling up those stats. If Hendon Hooker has a bad game against Georgia and Tennessee loses, and then Bryce Young, you know, Bryce Young already basically missed two games. He might not have the stats there. Alabama has a loss. I still think CJ is the favorite to win it. Um, did he hurt himself today? I don't know if I'll go that far, but he didn't help himself today. I'll say that. Man, but he, he almost hurt himself today and turned around in the second half. So yeah, it's a lot of people are saying that they think Michael on YouTube saying he he thinks he did uh, hurt himself. I think probably a lot of people are going to say yeah he did hurt himself, but um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, you look at those final stats against a, a really good Iowa defense. Maybe he didn't hurt himself too much. Um, Rob on Facebook, what do you think about Clat saying in the next five years he thinks Marvin Harrison Jr. will be the best receiver in the NFL? Yeah, he said that multiple times too. How about that? Um, I mean, you could see it happening, right? And we've seen how many great wide receivers have we come through here. Marvin Harrison Jr. has it has everything. He has everything you want. The bloodlines, the talent, the work ethic, the size, everything. Um, the Gucci cleats. Okay, you probably don't need the Gucci cleats, but it doesn't, doesn't hurt. I don't think he was wearing those today, but uh, yeah, I mean, he, I, I, but that was, I mean, Rob, to answer your question, that was, that spoke volumes to me because, you know, Joel Klatt's not just, speaking out of his rear end, he's hearing that from NFL scouts. Like, hey, 
this kid is like not just like the next first round receiver out of Ohio State. This kid could be the best wide receiver in the NFL five years from now. Not as a rookie, maybe five years from now, which would be what his fourth year in the NFL. Yeah, it'd be his fourth year in the NFL. I mean, oh yeah, Louis Vuitton. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting my uh, sorry, I'm getting my designer uh, cleats wrong. It was Louis Vuitton, not Gucci. Okay, sorry. Louis Vuitton, not Gucci. Sorry about that. I'm kind of proud that I got that wrong. Is that weird? I'm kind of glad I got that wrong. Donnie, my friend, saying Harrison isn't NFL fast. He plays fast, though. He's quick. He's quick twitch. He's not my, He's not a 40. This is why he wasn't ranked as a number one wide receiver in the country. Well, he should have been ranked number two because Mecca rightfully was ranked as the number one wide receiver in the country. But Marvin Harrison Jr. was like 14th in the country, which is still very good, four-star, high four-star. But the reason he wasn't ranked higher is because he didn't go to combines and, like, run a 4-3. But he plays fast. Again, he reminds me so much of A.J. Green. Marvin Harrison Jr. looks like A.J. Green part two. And you could have made the argument early in A.J. Green's career that he was the best receiver in the NFL. He had Andy Dalton throwing him the ball, and he was putting up – come back and look at it. Some of the years A.J. Green put up his first five years in the NFL. He's all pro all five years. That's what Marvin Harrison Jr. looks like to me. I know I love this. I don't think we can talk about this enough. JM on YouTube. This is a great way to end the show. Pretty fantastic when a team plays okay and they win 54 to 10 over Iowa. You're like, oh, well, Iowa sucks. Well, I hope if you thought Ohio State was going to win this game by 44, I hope you bet on the game because Ohio State was favored by like 29, 30. They went by 44, and everybody's like, eh, they look mediocre. You know, they went 54 to 10, and everybody's like, what's wrong with Ohio State? So I love it. That's a perfect way to end this, the, the show right there. Um, also, we have people saying that Marvin Harrison Jr. reminds them of Calvin Johnson, Megatron. I'm here for that. Um, good times, good times. All right, appreciate you guys a lot. Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys are loyal listeners to the Bucknuts Morning 5. You're loyal listeners to – what we learn live uh, cannot appreciate you guys enough. Thank you so much. Um, good win for the Buckeyes today. Don't get it twisted. This was a tough Iowa team that came in ready to play. The Buckeyes uh, looked shaky early and then got it together and uh, 54 to 10 over one of the best defenses in the country and the worst offense in the country in, in Iowa. But uh, after seven games, I like where this Buckeye team is at. Um, looking forward to next week at Penn State. Really looking forward to November 26th, and you know what I'm saying there. Thanks to all of you. I know you have a lot of choices. Really appreciate you guys joining me. Thank you to the Dean of Ohio State Football Recruiting, Bill Curlick. Thank you to Patrick Murphy and Steve Hellwagon for joining us live from the Horseshoe. Thanks to all of those guys. Bill Curlick, Patrick, Steve, hardworking, great guys, talented at their craft. So proud to be able to work with them and call them friends. So thanks to those guys. Again, thank you to all of you. Um, Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy the rest of the college football. We got UCLA not taking care of business right now. Down 24 to 10 against uh, Oregon. So the, the future Big Ten Bruins not looking good right now. A lot of good football. Penn State, Minnesota tonight. So uh, thanks again to all of you. Appreciate it very much. Go Bucks. <laughs>